Yeah, you actually do have to hit the record button. Manual labor. It's that uh, red circle button. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. It's hard on a Friday. Oh yeah, it does. I wish I could actually snap. My my snaps are pathetic. Let's let's hear it. That's bad. It is really His bad. His fingers right up against the mic, and that's the <laughs> it's best. So he can do. bad. Weak. I'm uh, Tate Brown. I'm Tyler. Just got to do that. We haven't do we? done it in a while, but yeah. I think we need to uh, just for the new new folks coming in, so they. They can put a voice uh, with a name, <laughs> you know? Well, they still don't know what we look like because we have our pictures on the cover art. Hell in a handbasket. Yeah, I know. That's what we look like. You know what's strange to me? Like we, yeah, people probably don't know which of us, like who is who, but you get a lot more emails than I do from listeners. I'm more approachable. People but, trust me. Well, I don't know what, that's always what, what do you I mean thought. you don't no. know? Well, okay. So that is actually what I thought. I thought you, I thought you were correct there, but now I just realized that maybe they think I am you. <laughs> so maybe they. Um, leave it to Tyler. <laughs> leave it to Tyler to think like that. It's possible. The only way that people would want to talk to me more than him is if they thought that <laughs> I was him. It's perfect. It sums you up in a nutshell beautifully. All right. Wow. <sighs> well, there is some news to get into. There is always news to get into. But it's it. I feel like it's died down a little lately. We're uh, yeah getting a little more. I think so. Some more things are cooking. The beginning of the year, I think perhaps it's just because the beginning of the year is when a lot of business decisions that were made at the end of the year or like, you know, in the fall and then the winter, you wait until the new year, you close your books and then you make some announcements. So does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like this whole year has just been like a dumping of technology, ideas, acquisitions, new strategy, business strategies, and we're just basically letting it all roll out. Yeah. I do think that the portion of the 3D printing related news that really wears me out though are the news stories of this one part was printed. This one part was printed. This one part was printed. Why? It just wears me out. Because half the time... Is it the same story over and over? No, it's just half the time when you actually read the story, it is way less consequential than it's made out to be. Like an example, we didn't discuss this, but an example is um, in the in the news this week was a company called MyCello that is selling 3D printed electric cellos and a big hoorah thing is oh it's it's the world's only 3d printed electric cello it's like that is so specific 
I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, we could do one if we wanted. In general. We've done a 3D printed electric guitar. Yeah, exactly. In general, consumers really don't care if things are 3D printed or not. Do you agree with that? I disagree. Do you really? Yeah. Want to know a product recently that I saw that I actually thought this is a great idea. This is a great product. Don't want it because I know it's 3D printed. Okay. Shame on me, right? Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I won't say the company. One, because I don't remember. Two, because it, their their idea is good. I yeah. don't want to make it. I don't want to discourage anyone else from making the purchase. What's the product? It is a tube marking tool. So this is mm-hmm. particularly handy for like roll cage yeah. uh, builders and anyone who's building structures out of tube, DOM tube. Yeah. Any sort of chassis, chassis work handrails, whatever. This tool allows you to mark up the tube yeah. in a lot of cool ways. And it's very modular. You can put a pen in it, and the pen, you can just slide the thing across the table. It'll mark the center line of a tube. does a lot of cool little things. Yeah. Why are you laughing? It's I'm, a great it's I'm a great laughing tool. because... Maybe I'm not giving it justice with no, my No, I know exactly. I, I can picture it because I've had an example exactly like this in a presentation that I started doing years ago about uh, 3D printers in the machine shop. And uh, so this was an idea that a user had for his own personal use. And um, someone, it sounds like, seized on that idea and, and productized it. Oh, so you're saying you thought of the idea. No, 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 no. You invented this. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, it it was something that I had taken from the internet. When I put that presentation together, I was going out and searching, you know, what are use cases for printers in the machine shop? And uh, that was one of them. But I don't think that you are representative of the average consumer when it comes to opinions on whether... Well, that's why I said I didn't want to discourage anyone. Well, yeah, but, um, you know, like... The average buyer, you think if they see that and they hear that it's printed, that it dissuades them or persuades them to make the purchase, does it have any impact on the decision? Are you trying to tell people that whatever I say doesn't matter? No, I'm saying that you have a sophisticated opinion. Uh, Oh, wow. That's the (laughs) first time I've been accused of that. Uh, why, Why do you think so? I just think in general people don't care whether whether their part was uh, cast or molded or roto-molded or machined or whatever. The general person. Well. A cello buyer that's buying an electric cello. Do they care if the cello was 3D printed versus roto-molded? Particularly if it's not customized to them. What... What value does it have to the story of the product? I don't know. I, I'm i looking this thing up right now. The MyCello? No. Oh. no. <laughs> I could care less about the MyCello. I, I well, couldn't care less. I, for about 18 minutes one day, I was convinced that I needed an electric violin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
No way. I briefly became obsessed with electric violence, yeah. Let's get back into my opinion. Why why is my opinion sophisticated? Uh well, that was supposed to be a compliment. I by the way. I I take it as a compliment? Yeah. I'm not sure why yet though, so um, I need you to explain it to me. I was trying to diffuse the situation by complimenting <laughs> it away. <laughs> Okay. I actually it's a okay. backhanded compliment. I actually, yeah. Okay. In this scenario, I do agree with you though. For example, I created a similar tool for myself to mark when I was bending conduit, electrical conduit, right? Little tool. And I in my head I'm thinking, this is actually really handy. There's value in this tool, but I would never sell it as a 3D printed product. Where my mind went was I would mold it. I would mass produce it and I would try to get it either I would sell it through a web store or in an, a super ideal world, it gets picked up by Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that. Or you sell it to Klein Tools or something. Mm -hmm. And by the time that people start uh, complaining about its in, longevity, you'd have enough money to buy your own mold and actually get an injection. I just molded. would never sell it as a 3D printed tool in this case, because I do think that for something like this, it kind of does cheapen the um, perception of the tool. Yeah. For me, it, it was all about perception. Yeah. And potentially down the road, had I bought this tool, I would know its inherent weaknesses. So I feel like maybe inadvertently I would test its limits yeah. of strength. Yeah. Or I would, I. this was an FDM part. Had it been, you know, an SLS part or MJF or SAF, I probably wouldn't care. Yeah. That's the reality. Like, I don't care about, like, a, a powdered finish or the bead blasted finish. I think it actually looks really good. And to me, that's acceptable because it's uniform, it's isotropic, it's pretty solid part. FDM... You got the layer lines. There are going to be tabs and things on it that will be weaker than other tabs in different orientations. Mm -hmm. And so just knowing that right off the bat makes me, it just yeah. turns me off a little to buy the product. I think too, this could play a role in it. If you looked at it and you thought, ooh, there actually is a compelling reason to print that verse mold it, then maybe you would feel a little bit better about it. My particular thing, it could easily be molded and there was no reason for it to be printed other than that's what I needed it for. I just needed it for myself. But if you were to go into production, you would, a mold would not be, um, it wouldn't be an outrageous mold, right? Where maybe some tools that are highly specialized and you could look at it and think, oh man, that would be a mess to mold. Okay. Yeah. You can get away with 3d printing in my mind. Well, nowadays, yeah. With the technologies that are out just there. Just in terms of the perception of it. It just seems like the products that I've seen on the market so far that are 3D printed. Yeah. They're all FDM. Yeah. And it just makes me think this company doesn't have enough money to buy a tool. Right. They don't want to invest in themselves. Right. It, if, it lowers my the consumer confidence. If you look at it and you think that's a great use case for 3D printing, then it's not going to be seen as a negative. But if you look at it and think, why isn't that molded? Then it's an, it, 
it's a negative. It's a mark against the product. Yeah. yeah. And there are plenty of people that I run into with products in various stages in the design process. And I've been in the design process several times where this is just an engineer's struggle. Like you, you, you're getting towards the end of the design phase and you're ready to manufacture. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh. Like you kind of have that creeping doubt in the back of your mind. Like, is it perfect yet? Yeah. Is it the best it can be? True. And in those instances, I can totally understand if you know that you're relatively confident this will be an iterative design or this product is at 90% of its capability, but we plan to revise it yeah. relatively quickly. We're not sure, totally sure what the shortcomings will be, yeah. but we know as soon as this product is in the field, we're going to get good feedback. It's still super useful as is, but we're going to get feedback back on how to improve it. If you know that you're, you want to quicken your improvement cycle, totally makes sense. True. But think about that from the buyer's perspective. And this was something Give that the, I was the thinking Rev about as well. Give the Rev1 purchasers a discount on Rev2. But let's say that people don't know the story. As a buyer, you see a 3D printed part and you could think, mm, this maybe isn't a fully well thought out design. Like, or they don't have a lot of confidence in this design. Auto automotive manufacturers do this. We are beta testers. When you have a new car that's built within the last three or so years, you're a beta tester. Yeah. Like you can, you can sit and imagine that car going through one of those crazy bumpy treadmills or on those hydraulic jacks that just cycle the suspension like crazy and simulate all the craziest seismic activity that a, a car could undergo. Like, but the reality is until the car is being in, used in its environment, whether that's Utah above the Rust Belt in cold and hot extremes or Hawaii or, you know, somewhere else, until it's there, the automotive manufacturers aren't going to take the time to test this everywhere. Yeah. They're going to test it to extremes to the be best of their ability, but... Ultimately, they, they make revisions based off of customer feedback, which is cars coming into the shop a lot about the same thing. True. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. But, but uh, so coming back to my cello, it, in their defense, <laughs> in their defense, even though I dislike the whole storyline of, hey, look at us because we're 3D printed, I would have never heard of them if they didn't take that route. So as a marketing idea, it was very effective. Free press. Free press, yeah. Yeah, I I like 3D printed products. And now that 3D printing, it seems like 2021 has been a good year, not only for Stratasys, but other companies that are utilizing some different chemistries mm -hmm. and different methods of production. Now, all of a sudden, you may start to see more 3D printed parts, and you may recognize them less. Yeah. Like, I, I can agree. pick out an FDM part, like, like, right. like 
<laughs> oh, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Uh, I'm just more, showing off the fact yeah. I can snap. More powder bed fusion parts. SLS. Yeah. MJF. Totally. SAF. DLP. Bind, DL, yeah, DLP for sure. It's not binder jetting, but yeah. Not binder jetting. I was thinking binder jetting. Um, it's not powder bed fusion. I was yeah. going along the lines of oh, some just, P- PBF technologies. But yeah, gotcha. DLP I think is well suited for end use parts. Uh, we know that. So yeah, we'll see more. And that plays into one of the stories we're going to be talking about shortly, I think. Is this section about us? No. Or, or we're, we're doing, I have a little. Parts in use. I printed a part. Parts in use. That I used. Ooh, this week? Yep. Oh. Uh, do you want to hear about, about it? it? Yeah, Do you want to know it. right now or do you want to continue in the news? Because I think we have two more stories. Maybe that's just a teaser. We're going to go to a quick commercial. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. We can come back to it. Yeah, I'll just tease it. You go ahead and finish the uh, the, in the news. Okay, me? Yeah, you. Well, a listener sent you a story about Daimler that uh, plays into the discussion that we were just having, right? Daimler bus group. Yeah. uh, Put together basically a Connex box. With an HP system. Yep. And the idea is that they can mobilize the production of replacement parts. Spare parts, replacement parts. Yeah, for their bus line, buses. Mm -hmm. I think so. The the first iteration is in what, Hamburg? I don't know. Currently, I think it's in Hamburg. What's the point of what's the point of doing that? Well, Why is that important? So a topic that we were talking about earlier this week was um, everything being out of stock and like delays and shortages uh, for all sorts of products, right? From beef to microchips to everything. And a significant uh, component of these delays are the shipping from Asia over to the U.S. in the shipping delays because of the uh, congestion in the main ports, you know, Long Beach, Los Angeles. And uh, so something like this, this idea that Daimler has, where bringing the production of the spare parts to like basically the local dealerships, uh, localizing and removing the shipping component uh, to producing some of these parts is probably where the where the incentive is. Yeah. Obsolete parts. Yeah. Parts that are difficult to manufacture. And what else? What's another good reason? I guess con- consolidation of well, no, a, I, I of doubt an electronic that. copy versus an actual warehouse full of these parts. Yeah. Yeah, like a digital inventory. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they were talking about the lead times in the story. Lead times, a couple days to print a part versus weeks to procure it elsewhere. Right. So, of course, you're going to have limits into what type of parts you can produce in this way. But uh, it's a step forward. Yeah. I I like 3D printing for that purpose. It's a great, great use case. And it's not the first time that we've seen printers being put in these uh, Connex boxes. It's true. 
yeah, Spaywar uh, put together a proposal and they committed to putting, I think it was the X1 binder, uh, the X1 filament metal machine and maybe an HP machine into a Connex box for the military. This was a military contract that they were working on. Do you remember this? Nope. I think they announced it late last year, but it was something that we had been talking with them about going back a couple years. Um, I don't know if they ended up with a Stratasys machine in that configuration, but their idea was take these uh, Connex boxes, which essentially is a shipping container, and uh, drop it in theater um, on in a war zone and to be able to produce parts on location when needed. That's, man, you hope they have enough technology in a Connex box. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, especially if you're, you're actually pursuing metal parts. Right. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's a great... It's of great interest to me, and especially as we keep improving technology, it opens up more applications, so you can do more with one machine or with three machines, and you may be able, depending on the application, you may be able to 3D print everything in an assembly, depending on what it is. Maybe. So I think right now Daimler's just using it on like interior uh, interior parts. Right. Is it, did you panels. read that? I think it's interior parts and panels. Yeah. So that if does it's something make sense. that's already, it's a known quantity, you know what you've been using it for, absolutely makes sense in those cases. Now, it is also of note that we're talking about Daimler here. We're not talking about uh, just a random Jeb on the street. Just a regular old Jebediah. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, no. Does it... It, it's it's setting a precedent for the industry of 3D printing because we know, having been in the sales situations we've been in, it's like, look what your neighbor John's doing. Yeah. Look what Jebediah's doing. Yeah. Like, look what... And it's kind of like, oh, we're behind the curve. Yeah. We need to get on on par. And it's like, that's a stupid reason to buy a machine, but it's also, it doesn't really matter how you get into it. It's the fact that you really ought to be into it. These people are proving that it's worthwhile. It, and it, it kind of takes yeah. leaders like that to get people like me who aren't always early adopters to get into it. It's a stupid reason if that's your only reason. Yeah, but... So no matter what I'll, the I'll reason. You, yeah. I'll give you an example. I Right out of school, I worked for a dental company. And uh, you, you and I have talked about how amazing 3M is as a product company. Yep. Every product they put out is top quality. And they somehow have products in every industry, including dental industry. And uh, I'm not even joking. The products that we were asked to produce, we would buy 3M products and we were told, replicate this. And the thinking was like, (laughs) the thinking was, if 3M is putting it out, there's a market. 
And if 3M did something this way, there's probably good reason for it. So at the initial stages in the R&D stage, that was the, the mandate. Take this 3M product and replicate it. How'd you do? Did you ever you ever get closer or were you just kind of like the Kroger brand <laughs> of it? Um so this particular company is actually the is an industry leader in one product category, uh, more so than any other they are the industry leader, but in everything else it it is uh yeah, it's like 3M probably does it better. <laughs> yeah. No offense to Kroger. Yeah. Um, I actually like Kroger. Yeah, Kroger knows what they do. They know exactly what In they're fact, doing. Kroger's simple truth line, it's like their mm, organic line. It's actually really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that being said, in other news, yeah. Boom Supersonic mm-hmm. did something pretty incredible. Yeah. Or maybe not incredible, but noteworthy. Tell us about it. Uh, well, it is um, – well, they, they, they took their first order. They took their first order for 15 aircraft from United Airlines. Now, this is probably something that actually won't have consequence until the later part of this decade because they're still very early in development of these aircraft. But it's significant because Boom has been very vocal about their reliance on certain 3D printed parts, Um, in this case from Stratasys and Velo 3D. So this is why it's kind of close to us. Uh, but they still have a long way to go. However, they now have a pipeline. They have 15 uh, aircraft committed, plus there's something like 35 option for 35 more. I'm which, so excited to see one of these things fly. Oh, man, me too. Me too. It's going to be sweet. Especially with the metal parts, there are uh, there are hurdles. There's a reason why a lot of these aerospace companies have not Im- fully embraced, especially smaller companies and startups like Boom, haven't fully embraced metal additive into their products. And it all has to do with design allowables. Makes total sense. Yeah. Who better to do it than the aerospace industry, though? Well, the the situation today is that all of these companies have to come up with their own design allowables. And that what that really means is they have to come up with their own uh, material properties. And it takes a lot of investment, a lot of time investment, monetary investment to print coupons and do their material testing so that they understand the material properties and fatigue properties and failure modes and things like that. And it's been a big barrier to entry for smaller companies. So that's why you have... Boeing, you have Airbus, you have Honeywell, companies that can foot the bill to do this. A company like Boom Supersonic right now is operating like this first prototype uh, an airplane. It's operating under the experimental tag. An experimental aircraft doesn't have to go through the same uh, regulatory hoops as a, like a, an aircraft that's going to hold passengers. Speaking of experimental aircraft, can I share something? Yeah. Please? Yeah. One of my favorite YouTube videos of all time, falling second to the dude who catches a fish with his drone <laughs> and a yeah. lure out of his grandpa's attic. Uh-huh. Um, 
let me find this. Uh, this young man builds his own plane in his basement. Okay. And powers it with RC batteries. Okay. Uh, guy flies. I want to be able to point you all in the right direction because it is the most spectacular Hope-filled video I think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen this. It's so awesome. Okay, I think this is it. Uh, Let me just hurry and double check. Oh, yep. All right. YouTube, go to YouTube, type in homemade electric airplane. This guy's got 5 million views. His name is Peter Sreeple. He's got almost 2 million subscribers. So don't subscribe to his channel. He has enough. (laughs) Um, But no, seriously, this guy, oh my gosh, you've got to watch his first flight. It is so, so fun. So awesome. Definitely illegal. Probably. No, it's probably not. Is it this red one? No. No, no, no. What's the name? It it may be red when it's finished. What's the guy's name? his first flight video is... What's the guy's name? Peter Sreeple. Yeah, it is the red one. Yeah, and that may be the finished one. He just posted that seven months ago, but he posted oh. his first flight video back in like 2017. Oh, yeah, this is the Mark IV. The first one with the teal? Is it like a teal it's, color? No, it's not even painted. It's like white. Oh, I'll go, I'll just and go it reminds me of that old movie, Radio Flyer. Okay, it is kind of teal. The fuselage is teal, and I think it's just the raw materials color. I don't think that he's actually painted it. You're right. It is teal. All right. Anyway, check this guy's channel out. Just YouTube, homemade electric huh. airplane. Uh, that that may or may not bring it up. I You know what I Googled? Guy builds his own airplane um, in his basement. Wow. <laughs> one of I honestly think one of the top skills that someone could have in the workforce right now is effectively using search and finding information that they want as quickly as possible. Oh, I'm a pro. I'm a pro at that. Do you think you're a pro? Do you think you're a pro? Yeah. I usually get the results I want on my first search. And it's always like three words. It's like, yeah, guy builds plane. It, it sounds dumb, but it it pulls up it pulls it up. Yeah. You just have to know the key words <laughs> and the order to put them in, and bam. There's definitely some magic happening in the background on the Google end of this For to sure. figure out what. Okay, which guy do you want to see build what kind of airplane? <laughs> right, and do I actually know how any of that works? No, but do I no. still find what I want with my little code words every yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to uh, back to that. Th- that's just a little. Something to get you through this Friday Peter in case you're, you're listening at work. All right. Incredible. How did we get on this topic? Makes me so happy. Uh, Boom Supersonic oh, yeah, Boom operating Supersonic. under the experimental tag. Yeah. This kid is definitely operating under experimental everything. All of these kit planes that you see, they're all experimental. Um, if you've ever gone down the YouTube rabbit hole for VTOL, like vert- vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, basically people building these aircraft that can fly oh low and slow yeah. through canyons and stuff. It's awesome, but they're all experimental. Aircraft. Gotcha. Experimental means just like, eh, you know. Are you about to mansplain to me? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> 
He gave me the worst look. <laughs> Are you kind of ashamed? Were you about to? Um, experimental. Everyone knows what experimental means. Oh, do they? It's right, a- he's mad now. I made him <laughs> mad. Oh, boy. I'm not you mad. You can't edit this out. I'm actually glad that you stopped me because I am not 100% certain what the actual l- licensure is. Because it's, it's a legal term. Yeah, neither of us FAA. are litigators. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the uh, Tate Brown Esquire here. That's for certain. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the last story you wanted to get to, if you're finished with Boom. Yeah, I'm, I'm finished. Launcher. Oh, yeah, Launcher. So this week, Launcher uh, finished their Series A round of funding. It was $11.7 million. I don't know if it was disclosed how much equity they gave up for that. And it actually seems like a pretty low number. But uh, Launcher has some significance because for the last several years, they have been open about their use of additive in the development of their rocket propulsion system. Uh, They made some news a couple years ago first by printing and testing a combustion chamber, which I think was done on an EOS machine, probably like an M290 or something like that, although it was fairly large combustion chamber. And then... They actually just did a webinar with Velo3D on uh, a few more parts that were part of the, the turbo pump of their liquid oxygen uh, propulsion system. And on the Velo side, they printed a turbine housing out of aluminum, and they also printed the actual a turbine wheel. Aluminium at, yeah, for our yeah. listeners over the pond. Yeah. And uh, the turbo house, uh, turbine housing, or the turbine wheel itself, out of Inconel, and they tested it to thirty-three thousand RPM. Holy cow! Holy moly! Those are some major ripums. Those are some ripums. Yeah. No doubt, those are some ripums because my little router table at home. Just like a little eighth-inch end mill is spinning yeah. at thirty. Yeah. And if that little tiny eighth-inch is out of balance at all, Yeah, which it is always, your collet could be off. Like, and we're talking the collet diameter is like, no way it's any more than a half an inch. It's probably a quarter inch. And we're talking tool steels. And now you're talking 3D printed parts that are much bigger in diameter and spinning Mm -hmm. at slightly higher RPM. That's incredible. And pushing liquid oxygen and pumping it up to like 4,000 PSI or something like that. <laughs> That's w- amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. That's so cool. It is amazing. I think this new era of private uh, aerospace and private rocketry, astrospace, mm-hmm. is fascinating. I'm so excited to be like a small part of it. Yeah, not to mention just... I mean, people are putting hundreds of dollars every day, just random people like you and me, into Robinhood and, you know, investing in these little things here and there. Hundreds of dollars every day I am, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not <laughs> us, but people like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least people like us around us. Anyway, uh, it, it's really cool to see private entities with access to very, very high-end technology Mm -hmm. and 
private investors who are willing to be like, We're, we'll bet on this. Right. We like your idea. We're gonna right. we're gonna put money into this, whether it's Serena Williams or <laughs> yeah. you know just some guy with a lot of money, some lady with a lot of money. That's like this is very very cool. Yeah, I think what you're doing is great, and it's I, maybe gonna make me money. Maybe that is the f- part of the fascinating story of some of these guys like Richard Branson, Elon. Bezos, separate everything else around these people, but just the whole idea of these guys racing into space and self-funding in many ways, that race is awesome. It's so awesome. So now that we've gotten through the news and taken up half the show with that. Yeah. It's time for a little story time. Oh, okay. We just want to let people know where we're at in the process of our move. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And we are getting so dang close to moving into our new space. It's painted. Walls are up. And Tyler came to me and he's like, hey, man, in our new studio, is that what we can, can we call yeah, it that? studio. Yeah, yeah. It's about twice the size of the one we're sitting in right now, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you say square footage wise? Mm. Yeah, it's probably like, I don't know, 23% larger. (laughs) So it's a little (laughs) bit bigger. It is larger. I don't know. It's probably a third larger, something like that. Higher ceilings. Yeah. And Tyler wants a light rig situation. Yeah. Put up in there. Up up on the ceiling. Yeah. And so he kind of came up with the design and um, I've just kind of like been there to be his helper. (laughs) You seriously have not put up any fight. Like we've, we've talked about different <laughs> ideas, right? And you've given, you've given me some things to think about, but as soon as I've said, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You've pretty much accepted it. I'm doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my job. And it's, but, but everyone out there that's listening to this probably understands like when you're working with your, we're really, you know, we're closely working together. Yeah. You on the hierarchical scale of things are on an upper plane. The boss. You know, exactly. The boss. You, you are my <laughs> boss. And let me make this analogy, okay? I'm not a construction worker. Are you admitting that you would be doing things differently? Yes. Oh, really? Absolutely. Oh, but, really? <laughs> this is this is he wanted to open up this can of worms and we didn't we did not talk about any of this off air. But I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. The, I'm just saying the, re- the reason we're telling this story is because <laughs> while we were building it, you started cracking up at how ridiculous some of the stuff that we were doing is. And I was like, just leave save it for the pod. Yeah. And so uh, Tyler knows this. Admittedly, you are very methodical. Yes. And um, what's another? What's another? You, you've got your way of doing things, and that's the way it's going to get done, and and that's the way it's going to get done right. Right. I tend to believe so. Okay. <laughs> He's also. I don't know if you're so much a safety. Which is great to err on the side of safety, but Tyler Reed is deathly afraid <laughs> of heights. 
Okay, so he's up there shaking like a leaf on a tree on like a 30-foot ladder. <laughs> I'm down at the bottom just laughing because he's hanging off this thing, trying to tighten a few bolts up in the rafters, and and we're we're making some rigging basically to drop down to our drop ceiling to hang these rails, which we're going to yeah. put little trolleys in. They're essentially monorails. Unistrut. Yeah. And Unistrut, yeah. we are going to slide lights around on this this contraption. Yeah. Tyler's up there, and I'm like, hey, man, this was early on in the process. We've been over there two or three days now. The first day, I'm like, hey, uh, I noticed he was kind of uncomfortable on the ladder. It's like, do you want me to do that? And he's like, no, I got this. <laughs> Why? He he won't let me up on the ladder. One, I'm I'm a little bigger than him. It, it, it's been a tight fit, too. So, honestly, you couldn't fit through wow. some of the gaps. Wow. Dude. That hurts. I have... I'm just, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a big fella. You're not, but I'm not, I'm less big. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Tyler can fit into some of these skinny little spaces a little better yeah. than me. But I, I will admit I'm afraid of heights too, but for some reason that 20, 30 foot range isn't like, we're not even close to that high. Not even close. What are we? Um, 15 feet? less yeah like about 15 feet yeah well that's not outside of my threshold i don't get scared above there (laughs) and that's why i'm like do you want me to do it because i'll i'll hang off the end of that thing which is probably another reason tyler knows me well enough to know that i will probably what did i tell you do things that i shouldn't what did i tell you it's not that i need control of it it's like i cannot i couldn't watch you do it I'd be it's so true. scared Your for you. Your anxiety would go through the roof. I wouldn't be able to watch you, you know. And it's just funny because him and I, here we are, like, doing work that's totally outside of our traditional scope of things. Like, yeah. we're we're going to Home Depot. We're going to the the uh, Unistrut section. We're we're buying hardware, which things in, that in real life. We do all the time. We do all the time at our home, but just in your professional world, it's weird because when you get outside of that box and I'm, I know at this point that I'm not as efficient as others in that world. Tyler (laughs) is another order of magnitude, a level of inefficient, which I like, <laughs> it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to behold. And it makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Also, at the same time, it's like, this is, <laughs> this is so, it, anyway, the other day I helped my brother-in-law build his, uh, I think I talked about this. It, it, it wasn't pergola. a shed. It was like a pergola. Yeah. It, and it's really more of a gazebo. I don't yeah. know the difference necessarily, but watching him and my little brother try to put together one side of the roof was like so hard for me to do. But my little brother, he's very strong willed individual. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm just going to let him do his thing. And it was actually the perfect practice to come and work with you. (laughs) And I'm not saying that I would do it much better. I'm not saying that I'm not inefficient because I'm not a construction worker by trade, you know, I've I've had my hand in those fields yeah. and I've I've worked there. I know I'm not, you know, Joe Hammer, but I would do a couple things different. I can and say that. I don't think I don't think oh. I struggled. Like oh, well, I don't think I struggled. It's just <clears throat> I take I take a lot of steps. 
Or would you say I struggled? Uh, well, our discussion on having the brackets the wrong direction. Yeah. But I I have to compliment you on that, though, because very pragmatic approach to, I don't even want to call it criticism, but just saying, like, me pointing out, hey, those are backwards. Initially, you did probably what? 99% of us would do. And you're like, no, that's the right way. <laughs> and then once you realize, yes, in fact, it is the wrong way, you're like, it'll still be fine. They'll still be fine. They'll still work. And then you like went down the, the your line of thinking, like you resisted, then you recognized it. And then you're like, you made the decision, like most engineers, I would say that are logical, which most engineers are, you're, you went down the logical approach and you're like, yeah, let's just hurry and flip them around. Let's do it the right way. And ultimately you came around and in my mind did the right thing. And a lot of people, a construction worker, for example, and I'm thinking about the ones that I've worked with in my past, my distant past, they wouldn't have had that approach. They'd have been like, it's good enough, bud. Luckily, we probably don't have a lot of construction worker, workers in our uh, in our demographic. Well, yeah, I'm just speaking for small town, <laughs> my particular small town and the particular small companies that yeah. I have worked for in the past. That was one of those things where I put the brackets on and I was thinking, mm, this doesn't look right. But I actually never considered to just flip them around 180 degrees. And I still think they would have been just fine. They would have held up forever. But you were right. You, could, you should do it right. Wow. On air. <clears throat> wow. What? So I, no, no, no. So that's, no. that's exactly what I'm getting at though. Like my purpose in helping you with this situation is, is not to tell you how to do things. I believe in you and I respect you as a smart, intellectual human being. And that's why I'm like, this is an opportunity for me to see how Tyler works, number one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> number two, I will offer my input when I believe it's like necessary. And at that, and necessary to me is when, only when something is being done like wrong. Not, yeah. not that there's probably a hundred different ways we could do this project for sure and we're just picking one and i believe in in the solution and i've only offered you know like you said very little i've kind of gone with with the flow with everything you did con you did contribute one idea that totally fundamentally changed a lot of it that we ended up pursuing right yeah which is another i know that i can offer a certain thing and that you'll be accepting if it's the right if it makes the if it tackles our, if it's a solution to our problem yeah in a better way or more efficient i know that you would recognize it and so that's a credit to you but yeah my my role is not to be the idea man right i don't know i i try to ask you for a lot of ideas well i'm trying to stay in my lane uh, yeah but yeah, so I, I know I'm not the most efficient uh, worker when it comes to these types <laughs> of projects. Well, I, having an opportunity to see you work, I know you're methodical, and now I'm I'm understanding more of like why your fence <laughs> at your house isn't yeah. done yet. <laughs> yeah, who 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 builds a fence for over a year? 
Uh, I'm sure there's, well. I'm approaching the halfway point, too. <laughs> hey, you, you're you moving. You're moving. Yeah, I'm putting a lot of hours into it. Every, every week, I'm putting it, a lot of hours into it. Exactly. And I think the only things that I've, like, observed working with each other uh, is you're spending time on things that I think it's not that they're bad things to spend time on, but there are other ways to do that same exact thing. Yeah. And really recognizing, okay, is it worth spending 30 minutes on this or 20 minutes on that or five minutes or 30 seconds, whatever it is, just identifying those, which we aren't efficient in that. I have a really hard time balancing, like choosing what I think is the best way versus a sufficient way. And I have a hard time actually accepting the sufficient way, even though like in it, in the truest sense, it's sufficient. It is good enough. It will, it will work. Um, but if I feel like there is a, a more sufficient way, then I have a hard time not choosing that, even if it means 10x the time. Yeah. And that's the only, I think, Honestly, we've talked about this in past episodes. We struggle in the same areas. We sometimes take longer with our projects. I think we have the same uh, struggles. Yeah. And I just saw that there are certain <laughs> portions where yeah. I can recognize that you're taking it further than even I would. Yeah. It didn't really apply in this case, but to bring this back to 3D printing, this is one of the reasons why I try to take the time to print jigs and fixtures and things like that mm-hmm. to work on my home projects. It is because it helps me pursue the the better way or the more sufficient way in ways that are not as time intensive. Yeah, because you know you can trust that model. Yeah. The representation of the model. Right. To do what otherwise you'd be spending a lot of time mocking up with lasers or measuring four times, lining out, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are you laughing? <laughs> measuring four times was kind of specific there. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> he measured a few times. But I really, I've enjoyed having, we used a laser, mm-hmm. and it's not just a laser level. Like what is three, three-plane laser. It's a three-plane laser. It's yeah. incredible. You, That's been really fun. You need one now. Yeah, yeah. I want one. I've wanted one in the past, but I just never have known, like, what one's the right one. Yeah. So that's a handy you have, tool. You have different types of lasers. Um, this one is an older one, so it's a DeWalt three-plane red laser. I have a newer one that is a three-plane green rotary laser, and the rotary is a different in that it pulses, and with the pulse, you can... Uh, have a receiver so this is so you don't actually have to be able to see the line so when you see surveyors and stuff out there using lasers and they have the little receiver and they put it on a grading stick yep. that's you can only do that with a pulsed laser which in the industry they just call them rotary lasers and with the green you can see it further too but you don't actually have to see it if you don't want to so I that think one's it's nice Oh, yeah. Way nice, especially for what we're doing. Uh, I do a lot of work on motorcycles, Mm -hmm. like custom subframes and stuff. And this would be so nice to have in the shop just to like set up 
your zeros. Oh yeah. It's amazing. And I level. I bought it probably nine years ago and, uh, it was expensive at the time. I'm sure you get it much cheaper. And plus you don't need it. You don't need a name brand. I don't, I wouldn't think for it. Amazon's choice. Yeah. <laughs> so worth it. Well, since we're talking, we need to probably wrap it up, but I did want to mention my little, uh, my, my piece that I made. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, my yeah. Motorcycle. I designed up some enclosures years ago. This is how long my projects take. I've got a motorcycle that's been 85% done for probably three years. Like I move really, really quick with the teardown and kind of the buildup. Mm-hmm. And then I get to the finishing, the fit finish, everything, and I putter out. Yeah. So I'm like, I I noticed some free time on our F370. And I was like, I actually want to <clears> print <throat> these. I want to print these right now. I need to move forward on this project. Even if it's an inch at a time, I need to, to move. And what can I do? I can print these enclosures that I've already modeled up. I've already done all the measuring. Now it's just print them. So I printed one, took it home. It has some snaps, mm-hmm. some snap fits, and they snapped in like it was just made for it. This was your so first cool. time designing the snap fit, right? Yeah, yeah. So first time designing the snap fit, and I just kind of, I had the hard measurements for the the part that I wanted to, basically I'm, I'm fastening a fuse box to a belly pan, mm-hmm. so to speak, that fits mm-hmm. inside of the subframe. And so I'm fastening the base of the enclosure to the belly pan, and then I'm using those clips to basically snap fit this fuse box. It already has some existing holes for snaps. And it worked perfectly. And the one thing that I did not do is I didn't model in a hole for the uh, for the wires yeah. to come into the fuse box. Yeah. So I'll just have to drill that and maybe modify it and maybe reprint. We'll we'll see how how it comes out. But felt so good. I did one tiny little thing on my my motorcycle and it yeah. felt fantastic. That's to me. It's just proof that we have to get in the lab more often and print more parts. It's Absolutely. just been so difficult. Yeah, we've been busy with other things, and it it kind of reignited a fire for me. One, 3D print more stuff that I, like I have a backlog of stuff I want to print. Yeah. I just haven't done it. And yeah. a lot of it's like pretty much modeled and ready to go. It's just mm-hmm. print it. Yeah. Throw it on there. So I'm with you. Anyway, that kind of brings it all for full circle with 3D printing replacement parts and not only that, just your one-offs. Like I just need an enclosure for this that it does serve a purpose other than just being an enclosure. It holds something to somewhere. It does have a function. And those little models didn't take me more than a couple hours to Mm -hmm. basically reverse engineer because you're measuring the existing components and then you're just modeling up something that fits in that space. Yeah. Well, I think uh, now that we should we should be having a new person join the team, another person mm-hmm. join the team next month, uh, which, which should free up some time. And uh, I have to say, the, the job that we were looking to fill has got to be one of the greatest jobs that's available. It's such a, it's such a cool job. And I feel bad that 
um, so many people who were interested in the job were not local. We had so many applications come in, but from people all around the country. And we, we listed the job through Indeed. And actually, it's really tough to go through and, and actually seriously look at every application. You know what I would have loved to have seen? Someone just hit me up on LinkedIn and say, hey, I sent this application in. I just want to make sure you take a look at it. That one little thing would have instantly put them at the top of the list. Really? Yeah. That's a nice nugget for the end of the podcast. That's that's big time. If you made it to the end of the podcast, that is... Just do, do it. Do you think that's the way that younger hiring agents or, or in your case, managers uh, uh, are starting to act? I don't know. Because we live in a world where it's like, I'm sure people looking for jobs have filled out tons of applications yeah. and had to resubmit their uh, resume in the format that <laughs> yeah. the, 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 wherever they're applying wants it. It's mm-hmm. like, man, that is refreshing for me to hear that like you could, Some, if someone would just call up, yeah, like, hey, I feel like I'm a good applicant for your job. Exactly. I've actually submitted a resume. If you want to take a look at it, Check it out. Maybe this isn't always the case, but I'm just a person on the end, on the other end. And just connect with me as a person. And that alone is going to make a huge difference. Wow. Well, all right then. Yeah. That's a nice nugget. It is a nice little nugget. Hopefully you that think, helps. You think we'll somewhere. ever bring this uh, third person in? We'll see. If we hire them? We'll see. All so, right. I don't I'm think not, so. I'm not going to commit one way or the other. But they, they uh, could be our guest from time to time. True. True. We'll see. We're still looking for our crazy uncle guest. <laughs> yeah. That we'll have on occasionally. Uh, cool. Someday. All right. Well, have a great have a great weekend. You too. Get some projects done. Get your finish your fence. Why don't fence? Fence. Uh, I'm working on it. All right, man. Take care. <laughs>